Part Ten of Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter Sixteen Failure. We are much bound to them that do succeed, but in a more pathetic sense are bound to such as fail they all our loss expound they comfort us for work that will not speed and life itself a failure ay his deed sweetest in story who the dusk profound of hades flooded with entrancing sound music's own tears was failure doth it read therefore the worse ah no so much to dare he fronts the regnant darkness on its throne so much to do impetuous even there he pours out love's disconsolate sweet moan he wins but few for that his deed recall its power is in the look which cost him all at this moment jack observed that a strange woman was standing among them and that the train bearing fairies fell back as if they were afraid of her as no one spoke he did and said good morning good afternoon she answered correcting him i am the black fairy work is a fine thing most people in your country can work yes said jack there are two spades continued the fairy woman one for you and one for your double jack took one of the spades it was small and made of silver but the other jack said with scorn i shall be a king when i am old enough and must i dig like a clown as you please said the black fairy and walked away then they all observed that a brown woman was standing there and she stepped up and whispered in the boy king's ear as he listened his sullen face became good-tempered and at last he said in a gentle tone jack i'm quite ready to begin if you are but where are we to dig asked jack there said a white fairy stepping up and setting her foot upon the grass just under the little hole dig down as deep as you can so mopsa and the crowd stood back and the two boys began to dig and greatly they enjoyed it for people can dig so fast in fairyland very soon the hole was so deep that they had to jump into it because they could not reach the bottom with their spades this is very jolly indeed said jack when they had dug so much deeper that they could only see out of the hole by standing on tiptoe go on said the white fairy so they dug till they came to a flat stone and then she said now you can stamp stamp on the stone and don't be afraid so the two jacks began to stamp and in such a little time that she had only half turned her head round the flat stone gave way for there was a hollow underneath it and down went the boys and utterly disappeared then while mopsa and the crowd silently looked on the white fairy lightly pushed the clods of earth towards the hole with the side of her foot and in a very few minutes the hole was filled in and that so completely and so neatly that when she had spread the turf on it and given it a pat with her foot you could not have told where it had been mopsa said not a word for no fairy ever interferes with a stronger fairy but she looked on earnestly 
and when the white stranger smiled she was satisfied then the white stranger walked away and mopsa and the fairies sat down on a bank under some splendid cedar trees the beautiful castle looked fairer than ever in the afternoon sunshine a lovely waterfall tumbled with a tinkling noise near at hand and the bank was covered with beautiful wild flowers they sat for a long while and no one spoke what they were thinking of is not known but sweet mopsa often sighed at last a noise a very very slight noise as of footsteps of people running was heard inside the rock and then a little quivering was seen in the wand it quivered more and more as the sound increased at last that which had looked like a door began to shake as if someone was pushing it from within then a noise was distinctly heard as of a key turning in the hole and out burst the two jacks shouting for joy and a whole troop of knights and squires and serving-men came rushing wildly forth behind them oh the joy of that meeting who shall describe it fairies by dozens came up to kiss the boy king's hand and jack shook hands with every one that could reach him then mopsa proceeded to the castle between the two jacks and the king's aunt came out to meet them and welcomed her husband with tears of joy for these fairies could laugh and cry when they pleased and they naturally considered this a great proof of superiority after this a splendid feast was served under the great dome the other fairy feasts the jack had seen were nothing to it the prince and his dame sat at one board but mopsa sat at the head of the great table with the two jacks one on either side of her mopsa was not happy jack was sure of that for she often sighed and he thought this strange but he did not ask her any questions and he with the boy king related their adventures to her how when the stone gave way they tumbled in and rolled down a sloping bank till they found themselves at the entrance of a beautiful cave which was all lighted up with torches and glittering with stars and crystals of all the colours in the world there was a table spread with what looked like a splendid luncheon in this great cave and chairs were set round but jack and the boy king felt no inclination to eat anything though they were hungry for a whole nation of ants were creeping up the honey-pots there were snails walking about over the tablecloth and toads peeping out of some of the dishes so they turned away and looking for some other door to lead them further in they at last found a very small one so small that only one of them could pass through at a time they did not tell mopsa all that had occurred on this occasion it was thus the boy king said i shall go in first of course because of my rank very well said jack i don't mind i shall say to myself that you've gone in first to find the way for me because you're my double besides now i think of it our queen always goes last in a procession so it's grand to go last pass in jack no answered the other jack now that you have said that i will not you may go first so they began to quarrel and argue about this and it is impossible to say how long they would have gone on if they had not begun to hear a terrible and mournful sort of moaning and groaning which frightened them both and instantly made them friends they took tight hold of one another's hand 
and again there came by a loud sighing and a noise of all sorts of lamentation and it seemed to reach them through the little door each of the boys would now have been very glad to go back but neither liked to speak at last jack thought anything would be less terrible than listening to those dismal moans so he suddenly dashed through the door and the other jack followed there was nothing terrible to be seen they found themselves in a place like an immensely long stable but it was nearly dark and when their eyes got used to the dimness they saw that it was strewn with quantities of fresh hay from which curious things like sticks stuck up in all directions what were they they are dry branches of trees said the boy king they were table legs turned upside down said jack but then the other jack suddenly perceived the real nature of the thing and he shouted out no they are antlers the moment he said this the moaning ceased hundreds of beautiful antlered heads were lifted up and the two boys stood before a splendid herd of stags but they had had hardly time to be sure of this when the beautiful multitude rose and fled away into the darkness leaving the two boys to follow as well as they could they were sure they ought to run after the herd and they ran and ran but they soon lost sight of it though they heard far on in front what seemed at first like a pattering of deer's feet but the sound changed from time to time it became heavier and louder and then the clattering ceased and it was evidently the trampling of a great crowd of men at last they heard words very glad and thankful words people were crying to one another to make haste lest the spell should come upon them again then the two jacks still running came into a grand hall which was quite full of knights and all sorts of fairy men and there was the boy king's uncle but he looked very pale unlock the door they cried we shall not be safe till we see our new queen unlock the door we see light coming through the keyhole the two jacks came on to the front and felt and shook the door at last the boy king saw a little golden key glittering on the floor just where the one narrow sunbeam fell that came through the keyhole so he snatched it up it fitted and out they all came as you have been told when they had done relating their adventures the new queen's health was drunk and then they drank the health of the boy king who stood up to return thanks and as is the fashion there he sang a song jack thought it the most ridiculous song he had ever heard but as everybody else looked extremely grave he tried to be grave too it was about cock robin and jenny wren how they made a wedding feast and how the wren said she should wear her brown gown and the old dog brought a bone to the feast he had brought them he said some meat on a bone they were welcome to pick it or leave it alone the fairies were very attentive to this song they seemed if one may judge by their looks to think it was rather a serious one then they drank jack's health and afterwards looked at him as if they expected him to sing too but as he did not begin he presently heard them whispering and one asking another do you think he knows manners so he thought he had better try what he could do and he stood up and sang a song that he had often heard his nurse sing in the nursery at home 
one morning oh so early my beloved my beloved all the birds were singing blithely as if never they would cease twas a thrush sang in my garden hear the story hear the story and the lark sang give us glory and the dove sang give us peace then i listened oh so early my beloved my beloved to the murmur from the woodland of the dove my dear the dove when the nightingale came after gave us fame to sweeten duty when the wren sang give us beauty she made answer give us love sweet is spring and sweet the morning my beloved my beloved now for us doth spring doth morning wait upon the year's increase and my prayer goes up o oh, give us crowned in youth with marriage glory give for all our life's dear story give us love and give us peace a very good song too said the dame at the other end of the table only you made a mistake in the first verse what the dove really said was no doubt give us peas all kinds of doves and pigeons are very fond of peas it isn't peas though said jack however the court historian was sent for to write down the song and he came with a quill pen and wrote it down as the dame said it ought to be now all this time mopsa sat between the two jacks and she looked very mournful she hardly said a word when the feast was over and everything had vanished the musicians came in for there was to be dancing but while they were striking up the white fairy stepped in and coming up whispered something in jack's ear but he could not hear what she said so she repeated it more slowly and still he could neither hear nor understand it mopsa did not seem to like the white fairy she leaned her face on her hand and sighed but when she found that jack could not hear the message she said that is well cannot you let things alone for this one day the fairy then spoke to mopsa but she would not listen she made a gesture of dislike and moved away so then this strange fairy turned and went out again but on the doorstep she looked round and beckoned to jack to come to her so he did and then as they two stood together outside she made him understand what she had said it was this her name was jenny her name was jenny when jack understood what she said he felt so sorrowful he wondered why she had told him and he longed to stay in that great place with queen mopsa his own little mopsa whom he had carried in his pocket and taken care of and loved he walked up and down up and down outside and his heart swelled and his eyes filled with tears the bells had said he was to go home and the fairy had told him how to go mopsa did not need him she had so many people to take care of her now and then there was the boy so exactly like himself that she would not miss him oh how sorrowful it all was had he really come up the fairy river and seen those strange countries and run away with mopsa over those dangerous mountains only to bring her to the very place she wished to fly from and there to leave her knowing that she wanted him no more and that she was quite content no 
Jack felt that he could not do that. I will stay, he said. They cannot make me leave her. That would be too unkind. As he spoke, he drew near to the great yawning door and looked in. The fairy folk were singing inside. He could hear their pretty chirping voices and see their beautiful faces, but he could not bear it and he turned away. The sun began to get low and all the west was dyed with crimson. Jack dried his eyes and not liking to go in, took one turn more. I will go in, he said. There is nothing to prevent me. He set his foot on the step of the door, and while he hesitated, Mopsa came out to meet him. Jack, she said, in a sweet, mournful tone of voice. But he could not make any answer. He only looked at her earnestly, because her lovely eyes were not looking at him, but far away towards the west. He lives there, she said, as if speaking to herself. He will play there again in his father's garden. Then she brought her eyes down slowly from the rose flush in the clouds and looked at him and said, Jack. Yes, said Jack, I am here. What is it that you wish to say? I am come to give you back your kiss. So she stooped forward as she stood on the step and kissed him and her tears fell on his cheek. Farewell she said, and she turned and went up the steps and into the great hall, and while Jack gazed at her she entered, and would fain have followed, but could not stir. The great doors closed together again, and he was left outside. Then he knew, without having been told, that he should never enter them any more. He stood gazing at the castle, but it was still. No more fairy music sounded. How beautiful it looked in the evening sunshine, and how Jack cried. Suddenly he perceived that reeds were growing up between him and the great doors. The grass, which had all day grown about the steps, was getting taller. It had long spear-like leaves. It pushed up long pipes of green stem, and they whistled. They were up to his ankles. They were presently up to his waist. Soon they were as high as his head. He drew back that he might see over them. They sprang up faster as he retired, and again he went back. It seemed to him that the castle also receded. There was a long reach of these great reeds between it and him, and now they were growing behind him also, and on all sides of him. He kept moving back and back. It was of no use. They sprang up, grew yet more tall, till very shortly the last glimpse of the fairy castle was hidden from his sorrowful eyes. The sun was just touching the tops of the purple mountains when Jack lost sight of Mopsa's home, but he remembered how he had penetrated the bed of reeds in the morning, and he hoped to have the same good fortune again. So on and on he walked, pressing his way among them as well as he could till the sun went down behind the mountains and the rosy sky turned gold colour and the gold began to burn itself away and then all on a sudden he came to the edge of the reed bed and walked out upon a rising ground jack ran up it looking for the castle he could not see it so he climbed a far higher hill still he could not see it 
at last after a toilsome ascent to the very top of the green mountain he saw the castle lying so far so very far off that its peaks and its battlements were on the edge of the horizon and the evening mist rose while he was gazing so that all its outlines were lost and very soon they seemed to mingle with the shapes of the hill and the forest till they had utterly vanished away then he threw himself down on the short grass the words of the white fairy sounded in his ears her name was jenny and he burst into tears again and decided to go home he looked up into the rosy sky and held out his arms and called jenny oh jenny come in a minute or two he saw a little black mark overhead a small speck and it grew larger and larger and larger still as it fell headlong down like a stone in another instant he saw a red light and a green light then he heard the winnowing noise of the bird's great wings and she alighted at his feet and said here i am i wish to go home said jack hanging down his head and speaking in a low voice for his heart was heavy because of his failure that is well answered the bird she took jack on her back and in three minutes they were floating among the clouds as jack's feet were lifted up from fairyland he felt a little consoled he began to have a curious feeling as if this had all happened a good while ago and then half the sorrow he had felt faded into wonder and the feeling still grew upon him that these things had passed some great while since so that he repeated to himself it was a long time ago then he fell asleep and did not dream at all nor know anything more till the bird woke him wake up now jack she said we are at home so soon said jack rubbing his eyes but it is evening i thought it would be morning fairy time is always six hours in advance of your time said the bird i see glowworms down in the hedge and the moon is just rising they were falling so fast that jack dared not look but he saw the church and the wood and his father's house which seemed to be starting up to meet him in two seconds more the bird alighted and he stepped down from her back into the deep grass of his father's meadow good-bye she said make haste and run in for the dews are falling and before he could ask her one question or even thank her she made a wide sweep over the grass beat her magnificent wings and soared away it was all very extraordinary and jack felt shy and ashamed but he knew he must go home so he opened the little gate that led into the garden and stole through the shrubbery hoping that his footsteps would not be heard then he came out on the lawn where the flower beds were and he observed that the drawing-room window was open so he came softly towards it and peeped in his father and mother were sitting there jack was delighted to see them but he did not say a word and he wondered whether they would be surprised at his having stayed away so long the bird had said that they would not he drew a little nearer his mother sat with her back to the open window but a candle was burning and she was reading aloud jack listened as she read 
and knew that this was not in the least like anything that he had seen in fairyland nor the reading like anything that he had heard and he began to forget the boy king and the apple woman and even his little mopsa more and more at last his father noticed him he did not look at all surprised but just beckoned to him with his finger to come in so jack did and got upon his father's knee where he curled himself up comfortably laid his head on his father's waistcoat and wondered what he would think if he should be told about the fairies in somebody else's waistcoat pocket he thought besides what a great thing a man was he had never seen anything so large in fairyland nor so important so on the whole he was glad he had come back and felt very comfortable then his mother turning over the leaf lifted up her eyes and looked at jack but not as if she was in the least surprised or more glad to see him than usual but she smoothed the leaf with her hand and began again to read and this time it was about the shepherd lady who pipes upon the long green hill where meadow grass is deep the white lamb bleats but followeth on follow the clean white sheep the dear white lady in yon high tower she hearkeneth in her sleep all in long grass the piper stands goodly and grave is he outside the tower at dawn of day the notes of his pipe ring free a thought from his heart doth reach to hers come down o lady to me she lifts her head she dons her gown ah the lady is fair she ties the girdle on her waist and binds her flaxen hair and down she stealeth down and down down the turret stair behold him with the flock he wands along yon grassy lea my shepherd lord my shepherd love what wilt thou then with me my heart is gone out of my breast and followeth on to thee the white lambs feed in tender grass with them and thee to bide how good it were she says at noon albeit the meads are wide oh well is me she says when day draws on to eventide hark hark the shepherd's voice oh sweet her tears drop down like rain take now this crook my chosen my fear and tend the flock full fain feed them o lady and lose not one till i shall come again write soft her speech my will is thine and my reward thy grace gone are his footsteps over the hill withdrawn his goodly face the mournful dusk begins to gather the daylight wanes apace on sunny slopes ah long the lady feedeth her flock at noon she leads them down to drink at eve where the small rivulets croon all night her locks are wet with dew her eyes outwatch the moon over the hills her voice is heard she sings when light doth wane my longing heart is full of love when shall my loss be gain my shepherd lord i see him not but he will come again when she had finished jack lifted his face and said mamma then she came to him and kissed him and his father said i think it must be time this man of ours was in bed so he looked earnestly at them both 
and as they still asked him no questions he kissed and wished them good-night and his mother said there were some strawberries on the sideboard in the dining-room and he might have them for his supper so he ran out into the hall and was delighted to find all the house just as usual and after he had looked about him he went into his own room and said his prayers then he got into his little white bed and comfortably fell asleep that's all end of part ten and end of mopsa the fairy by jean ingelow